Yo, what's happening, dude? I'm the guy with the rep for being rude, terrorizing people wherever I go. It's not intentional, I'm just keeping the flow. I fix the test scores, get the best scores, drop banana peels all over the floors. I'm the only kid who got a C in art. Last name Kester, first name Jesse. Welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. We've got some quick orders of business before we turn this thing over to Naomi. Uh, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody who has given us those five-star reviews on iTunes. It's good for the metrics. It's great. For, it's not even great. It's best for the metrics. There's nothing that you could be doing kinder for this show than uh, giving it a five-star review and then writing a few quick words about why you freaking love it so much. And I know you freaking love it so much. Let's let's just jump in on these these two new ones. We got we got one from Subert. I'm I'm not sure if that's Red's how maybe Sir might be how you read that. I don't know. Anyway, you can go see how it's spelled over there. Crisp quality and engaging conversations. Hell yeah, it's crisp quality, man. I've been doing this for 10 years working on sound and video. Better not sound like garbage. Uh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to take offense at your compliments. So. Uh, very easy to listen to and well put together. Very much like myself, well put together. The host emits personality. It, it wafts out of my armpits. That's true. And it makes the conversations feel more natural. More natural than what? The previous episodes. Why do I take these things so personally? Why do, why do they affect my heart this way? Anyway, I appreciate the compliments. I'm not, I'm not calling in to question your sincerity. I really do appreciate it. And we got one from Angel Knee, like, a, like the, the part of the leg that bane, bends, but on an angel. Full of conversations you don't want, dot, dot, dot. I'm reading this off of my own iPhone, so I can't see the full title, and I'm scared to click because it might take us away. Anyway, conversations in this podcast are natural. Man, everybody says I'm a natural. Y'all are right. Are natural and insightful. Well, that's, that's them. That's the guest that brings the insightful. Both the voice of Jesse Kester, got my name right, thank you, and his guests come through, I think, honestly. Why'd you have to put I think in there? They come through honestly. There's no I think on this one. It's guaranteed definitely 100% from the bottom of my heart. This is us being honest. You can, you can delete that I think thing. Jesus, why am I so defensive? I don't know. Honestly. Uh, the guests come through honestly, they suppose. If you're looking to be inspired, I am sure you're looking to be inspired. Uh, amazed. I am sure you are looking to be amazed or just want to crack up for an hour. Listen to this podcast. Yes, I agree with you one billion percent, Angel Knee. If you want to be inspired, amazed, or just want to crack up for an hour, this is the place to do it. And you know what? I'm going to toss you right over to Naomi because good Lord, was this a fun conversation. Uh, with John Booker, we wanted to uh, to understand the why of story, why we have it in, in society, what's, what's the natural demand for it in our species. This week, we're getting into the how. Uh, we kind of we break down techniques of storytelling. Uh, we, t- we take the watch apart, and then we put it back together. That's, what, that's the strength Naomi brings to this episode. Whoa, 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 what am I doing? There's one more. There's one more. I see you out there, uh, Zachary. Zach, we met Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for that very kind email you sent. It's so good to have you on board for the fishbowl. I hope that we continue to live up to your standards. Um, also, Zach, welcome to Hollywood. I think you're going to have a great time here. Without further ado, without further ado, I give to you the one, the only, Naomi don't know me, but Yoshi's very fine. 
that's a that's a throwback to an uh, an old hip hop song. I'm not trying to reduce her to her physical appearance. Naomi drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo. Nailed it. Beautiful. <laughs> Welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. My name is Jesse. I'm your host, and today I am joined by Naomi Beatty. Welcome to the party, Naomi. How are, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? And why on earth would we ever have you on this program? I don't know. I'm still not totally sure. Oh, come sure. on. You can come out the gate hotter than that. It's, you're an expert. Uh, you're, you're wise. I'm here to talk about Save the Cat and screenwriting. Okay. See, that's all we need. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Sell yourself. And Morpheus is done fighting Neo. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Good for him. Good for both of them. So, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take umbrage right out the gate. Please, Is that okay? Please do. Um, I emailed you, uh, asked for some example of, uh, how I could get to know you better. Mm-hmm. You said, listen to your interview with Mark Hames. Is that the yeah. correct name? Mm-hmm. Uh, the writer of Kubo. Mm-hmm. I listened to it. I learned nothing about you. Mark talks 98% <laughs> of that interview. I thought you wanted to get a sense of like what kind of stuff I did for Save mm-hmm. the Cat. So that was that. And and I also said, don't feel like you have to listen to it either. I sent you other things yeah. as well. And so. I, I enjoyed all of them, but I can't <laughs> complain about the other ones. So that's why I'm ignoring them. They didn't okay. happen if I can't complain about them. So uh, who are you? Um, well, I, I do a lot of work for Save the Cat, which is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a screenwriter, a script consultant, uh, a reader. I read for um, contests and managers and producers and directors, whoever will give me scripts. So what, what does reading entail? Do you usually do coverage or do you just read and say, that's nice and call it a day? <laughs> well, when I, it depends who I'm reading for. Sometimes okay. it's, um, sometimes it's coverage. I don't tend to do a lot of coverage anymore just because I've, I have more experience now. So I tend to do development notes for people. Um, or if I read for a contest, then it's a, it's a little bit more like coverage. And what is the difference between coverage and development notes? Um, coverage is more, you've probably heard it referred to as like the book report on a script, right? It's Mm -hmm. a quick synopsis and then kind of the highlights of what's working and what's not working in the script. Um, Sort of cliff notes. It's to give somebody an idea of how the script measures up and what it's about without them having to read the script. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then development notes are more analytical. Like I'm really getting in there and saying like, here's what's not working and here's why I think it's not working. And here are some things I think you can do to address that issue. And development notes is kind of like it's moving towards production. Uh, Coverage is more like it's, should this move towards production or not? (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's a great, (laughs) that's a great way to say it. Do you grow up in LA? Are you from here? No, I'm from Portland, Oregon. How'd you end up down here? The lure of entertainment, really. Okay. Um, I let's see. I was in Portland. I was working for a commercial production company there. Okay. Um, How long ago are we talking? Let's not put a number on okay, it. Okay, I meant to say, don't you dare ever tell me how long ago we're talking. <laughs> yeah, it was over a decade ago. But okay, so okay. I, I was living in Portland. I was working at a commercial production company, just um, sort of office stuff. But a lot of the directors that we worked with there that were commercial directors, they were also doing short films on the side, indie films on the side. Of course. Uh, yeah, and so that was my first exposure, really, to movie making. Um, I didn't grow up on movies. I didn't know anything about filmmaking. Now, this, this is th- sending me for a loop. What did you grow up on? if not movies. Books, reading. We had a big reading family. I was um, basically allowed to read anything I wanted to. What were the ones that stuck out out (laughs) when you were a kid, though? Uh, I I loved Stephen King. That was my first love. And so I 
I mean, my parents, they thought as long as I was reading, as long as I had my nose in a book, it was good. It was mm-hmm. educational. <laughs> so I read Christine at the age of 10 and then okay. couldn't go into the garage for like two months afterwards. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, I read Carrie, I, Cujo, um, Pet Cemetery, like broke my heart, you know, <laughs> so. I read, I think in sixth grade, it was Misery and that. Uh, blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. And then it blew my mind again when I found out what it was really about. <laughs> oh, do I know what it's really about? Oh, uh, cocaine addiction. I don't think I knew that. Annie is cocaine. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruining his life and making him write <laughs> things that are contrary to what he would be doing if really? he were straight. I didn't yeah. know that. See, I also had a very sheltered childhood. So oh, even okay. though I was reading all these things, I had no idea of the deeper meaning. Context so. is everything. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but yeah, so I grew up on Stephen King okay. um, and Nancy Drew. Have Those you ever met two. him? No. Okay, neither No, but his yes. daughter's name is Naomi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. We feel connected, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's her name. <laughs> I'm so pretty sure it is, which I, I'm just like, mm-hmm. maybe he's my real dad as a kid. I, you know, I thought, yeah. cool. <laughs> so where were we? So I grew up in, mm-hmm. in Portland, working at a commercial production company, got a taste of sort of people who made film, um, started researching kind of like, what goes into this? Who, who makes movies? What do you have to do? But you didn't go to college for film. No, I what was a psych you... major. Okay, what? I mean, four years or yeah, like half the school. I mean, everybody's a psych major. (laughs) Is that like a metaphor, or was actually half the school psych major? Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's just sort of like a general liberal arts education with a little emphasis on psychology. I thought psychology was like a feel a medical field, (laughs) not not a liberal arts field. (laughs) Not until you're like in grad school, and then then maybe you're more focused. I took, you know, they're all fascinating classes because they're like abnormal psychology and Mm -hmm. things that happen to you as a child. (laughs) like that so okay okay so before we hit record you're telling me your favorite films and now that now it all makes it, it sense. all tracks it all <laughs> like, tracks uh, it all falls into place yep yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so you graduate college in oregon and you stay there no i went to arizona state okay went back to portland worked Why arizona what called you to, to... Um, because i grew up in portland which is rain 300 days out of the uh-huh, year <laughs> uh-huh. and then i was like where should i go to college maybe Anywhere someplace but. with sunshine yep yep <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So, um, so after working in Portland for a couple of years, though, and having mm-hmm. that experience meeting people who were doing creative things, which I didn't really, my family was very, um, you know, you should be a doctor, a lawyer, something stable and yeah, professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I kind of got a taste of like people having creative careers and doing interesting things with their lives, I now, thought, you know. Growing up, were you writing too or just ingesting the whole time? I was writing. Have you saved any of that? Uh, no, I I don't haven't. believe a word you're saying right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are. I think you're protecting yourself. <laughs> there are things in boxes. Mm-hmm. I don't know okay, where those we're boxes to the are. <laughs> They're probably in my mom's basement okay, somewhere. Okay. Um, but anyway. So here's the thing. My yeah. mom saved what I wrote when I was a kid. Still holds up. It's really good. It's still good stuff. Really, yeah. Especially the, the high school poetry. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm sure that's good. Someday they'll have a retrospective of all your work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they'll see that the current stuff doesn't even hold a candle. To yeah. The, well, can you believe I, ra- I rhymed love with above in high school? <laughs> Creative advanced skills. Anyway, and poems. it's not about me. It's about you. So uh, yeah, um, you're at the agency. Uh, you're, you're getting a taste for, oh. uh, other people being creative. Yeah. You have been creative in your life. Mm-hmm. What happens next? And then I realized as much fun as it is to work, you know, sort of on commercial productions in Portland, there's 
there are movies being made in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, <laughs> this place I had heard of. Um, and so I just, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a change. So okay. I just moved to LA and decided to try to work in the entertainment business. Now, when you got here, were you writing screenplays? Were you reading screenplays? Like, was that a format familiar to you or not really? It wasn't. And okay. it was long enough ago that screenplays weren't quite as readily available as they are now. Yes. Um, yes. And so I had I tried to find some screenplays. I think I maybe bought some of those, um, the you know, the book versions that they sell at Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. It's like the screenplay in a bound thing, yep, yep, which is yep. not quite the same. Um, but it's still fun to read. If you love They're, the movie, oh, yes, it's, it's very fun to read, and it's better than nothing. Definitely. They're still fun to read. The, f- the page count is off when you read it that way, and very. so I couldn't quite get like the right sense of the pace and stuff like that. But anyway, so yeah, that if was... If you include pictures, your script will be 200 pages <laughs> long. Right, exactly. Um, so, so I had tried to do some research. I tried to learn a little bit. I'd read some screenwriting books um, and then moved to L.A., and quickly forgot all of the writing aspirations and Mm -hmm. was like, I want to work in development. And I went to work for a producer manager as his assistant, um, just to get kind of, you know, and what does that work look like? Is it it... answering the phone? Okay. (laughs) When do you start getting scripts though and reading them and giving feedback or coverage? Yeah, I was reading scripts for him. That is part of the job. So it's a lot of assistant work, answering the phone, making lunch reservations and things like that. But, um, but I also got to sit in on a lot of meetings. I read a lot of mm-hmm. scripts. He was both a producer and a manager, so he had clients that he was managing. I was reading their scripts, and I could see them go through several drafts, so I could yep. see the development process. Yep, yep, yep. You got a bird's was, eye view of yeah, the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, which was really educational. Um, and I got to meet some cool people, including Blake Snyder. That was where I met him. Um, a little and- jealous there. I really <laughs> like Blake's writing, and I, I yeah. Missed, yeah. missed the train, so yeah. I'm, I'm a little jelly on that one. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, just a nice guy, genuinely yeah. nice guy. Um, yeah, so that was my first job in Hollywood, was working for the producer manager and just kind of getting an overview of how the mm-hmm. industry works, you know? And when do you kind of land in the Save the Cataverse? <laughs> Is that recent? <laughs> Have you been there for a while? I've been there for a while. So I met Blake through that first job. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a client. He was just a friend of my boss at the time, Craig. And, um, you know, I was really new to L.A. And as I said, I was from Portland. So I didn't yet know how rare it was to meet someone that nice in L.A. And so... I just took it for granted. I was like, oh, everyone's this nice, you know? And he was genuinely, like, interested in my writing aspirations, my career aspirations, and I just thought everyone was like that, and mm-hmm. turns out that's not true, but yep, 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 um, yep, yep. but uh, he, you know, we, we developed sort of a, a friendly relationship through seeing him in the office, and um, when he wrote Save the Cat, I was a beta reader for the first book, um, and then that book took off, and he decided to write the second book, and so then I actually went to work for him on the second book, uh, watching the movies and helping to do the movie okay. breakdowns and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were you were assistant on that. Um, yeah, Save I was the research. Cat Goes to the Movies is the title. Is <laughs> yeah. that the title? Yes, Save okay. the Cat Goes to the Movies. I did research on that mm-hmm. book. Um, basically, that entailed just sitting in my apartment for like three months straight watching movies over and over again, which is a great crash course in movie structure. If you watch the same movie three times in a row, you're like, yes, I totally see how this movie is put together, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, the the structure of, uh, just watched uh, Silence of the Lambs, Mm -hmm. which was among the ones you mentioned Mm -hmm. before we recorded. The structure is rock solid. Yeah. You can take those 
beats and swap them out for just about any other change the want change the challenge (laughs) and it will work it was really tight yeah that's one of my favorite movies and it's so well done i mean and we were saying earlier you can watch that movie over and over again and get new things from it every time oh yeah yeah, yeah, new connections and nuances and the thematic stuff is so layered and it's really good yep very very fun film uh can we for the 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 plebeians out there in our audience can we explain what save the cat is yeah um when i say (laughs) when i say plebeians i mean my little sister oh hi little sister love Um, you sorry i didn't mean to call you plebeian (laughs) uh what what is save the cat and how does it fit into the hollywood landscape that's a good broad i mean it's a it's a question with a lot of answers you have three hours to answer (laughs) perfect it might take me that long no so save the cat is a book uh Mm -hmm. written by blake snyder uh i should know this i don't remember exactly when it was published maybe 12 years ago 15 Mm -hmm. years ago so somewhere in that range um and uh it's a just a very accessible screenwriting book so if you are interested in screenwriting and you want to kind of like get a taste of what it entails and what goes into a screenplay and what goes into a good story it's a great place to start i think um and then from there it actually evolved into a series of books um workshops a website, a yeah, blog, you yeah, know, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And a, and a podcast, as I understand. Uh, <laughs> an inconsistent podcast. It's really more of a mailbag at this point. I just okay. answer questions that we get. <laughs> so the thing, like, the, this is... Uh, I meet people uh, outside of L.A. who are wondering what goes on over here and what they should know about writing. And basically what I tell them is read, save the cat. You don't Mm -hmm. have to follow every rule, but Mm -hmm. if you show up having not read it, you're going to embarrass yourself at a dinner party eventually. (laughs) Like you just have to know the contents of that book if you want to. Yeah. You don't have to follow it word for word. I'm just saying you have to familiarize. That's how I think about that book. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you just said about, um, you know, needing to know kind of what's in it is, is true insofar as, you know, save the cat is three act structure it's not it it's not a brand new system no, 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 for no, no, screenwriting no, 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 no. it's not so, a, a new wheel it's right. the wheel exactly exactly so it's like know the wheel and this he yeah. describes the wheel in a very accessible way yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a better way to put it than i put it <laughs> and then um you know and then as you learn more if you i always say that you should serve your story you know mm-hmm. so if you find that your story needs to do something differently than is set forth in save the cat certainly do the thing that works for your story best you know i think the thing that Kind of stuck out to me. I mean, uh, you know, you should also learn the monomyth, know the name Joseph Campbell. But we're, I don't want to get into that one on this one. The the way I think about it, the the monomyth, the save the cat, all the the story structure rules that mm-hmm. I think um, like beginners off not often but all too often love to say like oh, I I don't I don't I don't need the rules. I don't want to know the rules. Those are for breaking. But it's like the same as when, when you break down the parts of a story, why these different things happen, you realize it's as technical a process as focusing the lens yeah. or doing color correct. Like it, you can't just say, oh, I don't focus lenses. That's for <laughs> that's the yeah. old guard who yeah. does that. It, it serves a purpose, a logistic purpose. Right, so. exactly. And, and really the parts of a story or the way a story is structured is so that you can convey the story to the audience in a way that they can receive it, you know? It's like you need to orient us to the story. Otherwise, we're going to be totally confused and lost and also not care, you know? So that's really what story structure does. And that's... I've made a whole lot of bad films. Um, You can... (laughs) Not bad, but you can make a new film. You can't make a new audience. 
Like you can you can break all the rules in your movie, but that doesn't mean anyone's going to get it. Right. Yeah. So that's why I do think that there is value in kind of understanding these technical parts of of a story. So want to walk us through the basics? Sure. Let's actually scratch that. Okay. That or no, we shouldn't. <laughs> terribly trite and boring. What I'd rather do is uh, you, let's make it a game so that nobody falls asleep at the wheel. What I'd like to do is um, you select a film. Okay. I'll select a film. As different, The more different they are, the better off we are. Okay. And we'll kind of go through those beats and just give real-time examples as quick as we can. Perfect. Uh, and I don't want to spend a 45 minutes on this. Like, we're just going to kind of rapid fire. Is that yeah. okay? Can yeah, we try yeah. that? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Let's try it. Um, what film let's would like you... Round. Uh, do you want to do Silence of the Lambs or... I, I would rather do Taken. I feel like that's a very straightforward and easy... It, it's okay. a simple story. Okay. I haven't seen Taken. Okay. Will I not have to see it after you describe it in such detail? You won't need to. <laughs> all right um i'm gonna do uh, another story about uh, a loner on a on a mission uh Wee's big adventure excellent okay. and what's great is i haven't seen that movie in so long that mm-hmm. it's like you're describing a movie to me that i also haven't seen oh okay i haven't seen it in entire days at this point <laughs> Perfect. One of my favorites. All right, so let's just go through the the basics. And I've got more umbrage to take with you, and I'm looking Great. forward to So let's get through it as quick as we can so I okay. can take more umbrage Perfect. with you. Perfect. I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so the first beat, so I, I should say really quickly that um, in Save the Cat, we talk about the 15 beats. We have a, mm-hmm. a sort of a beat sheet that it helps you break down the structure of a movie, plan the structure of your movie. So those are the beats that we're talking about. So the first one is the opening image. Um, what, what's your opening image? Oh, uh, for Pee Wee, he's, he's winning the bike race. He's dreaming about winning the bike race. Excellent. His bicycle is, is everything. I love in the it. waking and subconscious life. In Taken, yes. our hero, Brian Mills, is dreaming about his daughter in the, See, in the same first movie. opening image. It's the yeah. same movie. Just dream about what you love. All right. <laughs> it is. What's next? Um, so the next beat we're going to actually skip for now. It's the, I hated that beat anyway. It's, <laughs> it's the theme stated beat. Okay. That one, yeah, that one I usually skip when I'm beating out yes. a film because yes. it's... And I think you should. It's like dialogue dependent and knowing the whole thing dependent. Exactly. It's really something that's going to address the entire story. And sometimes, I mean, often you can't do that until you know what the whole story is. So yeah. we're going to skip that one. So the next thing that we talk about is the um, setup, which is basically the context of your story, the first 10 or so pages. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Pee Wee... Loves his bicycle at home. He goes out into the town, loves his bicycle out while he's shopping, and he loves his bicycle. That's great. That's Always. great. That's all he does. <laughs> In Taken, Brian yes. Mills loves his daughter at home. Okay. <laughs> he used to be a spy, and he loved his daughter then, too. Oh. <laughs> but he wasn't around very much. Ah. We, we learn all of this kind of in the setup. Are, are, are you... Uh, Person to person, off the record, <laughs> are you getting tired of absent dads in Hollywood? Like, does it not feel it's like we've been easy, there, done that? It is, but it but it's such a shortcut. Like, you instantly get it. You know, it's like you understand a parent's you you assume a parent's love for their child. So it's such a shortcut in storytelling. I don't know if it even holds water anymore because a lot of the parents I because <laughs> parents see, are just jerks now. Or no, no, no. <laughs> because parenting, especially, uh, I think like the father. The fathers we had in our generation growing up are very different from the fathers sure. I'm seeing now who are like, yeah, you don't talk to me on Saturday. That's my day with my kid. Like there's no non-negotiable yeah. and I'm home at seven o'clock with like I yeah. that's just the in my circle of friends. Maybe it's I'm, I, a selective sample can be completely wrong, but I feel <laughs> like that 
like you missed my it's game. It's much more again. like conscious parenting today, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that was not the umbrage I wanted to take. <laughs> oh. So he loves his daughter, but he's not there as a child. Keep going. He, I'm going to stop. He wasn't there a lot. He has recently retired from his spy career in order to spend more time with her. That's kind of what we learn in the setup. Okay. But he's struggling to do that. Okay. So then the next beat is the catalyst, which is sometimes referred to as the inciting incident. It's usually the thing that intrudes on the char- the main character's normal world and kind of upsets it. Is this uh, interchangeable with the call to action or not really? Or I believe are they it kind is. of the same? Okay. Yeah, I'm not as well versed in Joseph Campbell, but I believe no it's worries. the same thing. What's your call to action for uh, Mr. Taken? So the, the catalyst is um, Brian Mills goes to lunch with his daughter, expecting to have a nice like bonding lunch. Mm-hmm. And um, he's sort of ambushed by his daughter and her mom, his ex-wife, asking for his permission for daughter to go to go off to Paris for the summer. Okay. Unchaperoned. Oh, that doesn't sound so bad. Well, but he's a control freak. Okay. You know. Does he does he say that's fine or does he forbid it? Absolutely. He says no initially. Okay. Okay. What a surprise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What a surprise. Uh, Call catalyst is uh, Pee Wee's walking down the street with his beloved bike. I would say Francis uh, offers to buy the bike. Okay. Yeah. Pee Wee flat out refuses. Not even for a million billion trillion dollars, which is quite a lot of money. Enough to buy another bike, I would imagine. But yes. he loves it so that he yeah. can't part. Let's keep That makes moving. sense. Okay, so then the debate section mm-hmm. is usually the, the main character contending with the new opportunity or problem that they've received in the catalyst. In Taken, it is uh, Brian Mills basically coming around, re- realizing that if he doesn't give his daughter permission to go to Paris, she'll probably never speak to him again. So he'll lose the thing that he is um, fighting for. So he gives her permission. Okay, okay. The debate for Pee Wee. I would, I would jam the bike getting stolen in there, and then he tries to get it back through all the usual channels. He goes to Francis. Francis doesn't have the bike. He goes to the police. The police do not care because it's a bicycle. He goes to his friends, and none of them want to help him either. So he's he's at a loss at that point. Okay, yeah. So then the break into two is when the main character embarks on the the sort of main thrust of the story they're mm-hmm. you know trying to achieve their goal in taken it's brian mills uh he his daughter goes off to paris this is all actually still part debate of the debate is where i'm going to take umbridge with you okay we'll get to no that. problem so daughter goes off to paris when she checks in with him on the phone coincidentally at that same time she's kidnapped and he dun, dun, dun. his break into two is he's like i'm coming to save you don't worry dad has a special is that set the of phone skills. call that's in the trailer <laughs> yes okay, okay yeah and so so that's it that's it that's his goal is he's going to go save his daughter just a quick question do we see do we see a lot of break into two in the trailer I think so because that's when the that's when Act Two is launched, right? Yeah, and, and Act that's Two kind of is like the what movie, we're doing. right? Exactly. Act Two is the thing that we want to see yeah, in the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. the bank heist, or it's the getting his daughter back, or yep, you know, yep, whatever. Yep. Uh, do, 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 do. He goes to a psychic, and the psychic says it's in the basement of the Alamo, so he's going to go get that bike back all on his own. Okay, so that's his that's his goal, right, yep, for the movie. Yep. Uh, in in the beats, then next we have the fun and game section, which is basically the first half of Act Two. It's um, the promise of the premise, we say yep, instead yep, of the cat. Yep. Uh, Very pithy, that Blake Snyder. He, could <laughs> he really did. Turn a yeah, phrase exactly. In Taken, it's Brian Mills going to Paris and his initial efforts to try to get his daughter back. So it's um, investigating, gathering clues, making contact with people who might know something. It's yeah. You stretch your arms. 
hmm? at this point in the film? Oh. Like the, as a screenwriter, <laughs> you can stretch your arms. Yes. This is like kind of like, here we go. Yeah, this is yeah. Like what you, this is kind of what you set out to write in the beginning. This is all exactly. the, for me, this is all like the little it's ideas. It's the fun that stuff that you around. thought of that you were like, wouldn't that be cool to put if, in yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pee Wee goes on his road trip. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Onward, upward. The next beat is the midpoint. Comes right at the middle of the movie. Generally, um, it's usually a raising of the stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so either the opposition gets stronger, or the goal becomes more important or more meaningful. Um, in Taken, he uh, he finds his daughter's jacket, but it's actually on a different kidnapped girl. Um, mm-hmm. So he sort of gets a taste of getting closer to his goal. Um, but it's also the first time in the movie when guns are introduced. And so the danger increases. That is something that is always a point of fascination for me when and how guns are introduced to the movie. And we're going to get back to structure in a minute because this is something that's on my mind constantly. Have you watched Bambi? I haven't. Okay. Uh, you know what happens. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Watch this sequence and take note of when the gun becomes seen. Mm. And then watch the opening to The Dark Knight hmm. and watch, take note of when the gun is seen. Interesting. And okay. how, how these ingredient, how to introduce a gun. I think there's a lot of information mm-hmm. in those two sequences on, mm. on how to do it. It's, it's after you, after. It's after the incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. Um, and I, and I just think about that a lot. Another thing I think about is this new crop of good guys who don't use guns. Like you think back to Indiana Jones and he was happy to shoot a guy. Mm-hmm. But now the new generation of films, like the, the heroes aren't allowed to shoot people anymore. Mm. Is the that villain, true? Not, not, it's not a blanket rule, mm-hmm. but you'll see it more and more commonly. Mm-hmm. I think it was like National Treasure where I noticed oh. that they never hold a weapon. The good guys are always pacifists. Yeah, that makes sense. And that... I, I'm totally speaking out of turn because I have no background information on this, but that might have something to do with the studio. Was that Disney? So, yeah, it, yeah. so it might be a, something that they. But also in Marvel movies, oh, like the heroes yeah. don't have guns. Yeah, they just don't use. Well, they're them. superheroes, right? Yeah, I mean, they have their. <laughs> own. Anyway, back on track. All right. Uh, so, what's your midpoint? My midpoint is he gets to the Alamo and there is no bike there. Oh, yes. And that's a good one. What's he going to do? Go home, I guess. Yeah. He's, that turns There's the story no, in a new direction. Yeah. There was no, there never was a basement. I remember Why that. Is that. I remember so, that part of the movie. Everybody remembers that. Why <laughs> did it stick with everybody who's seen it? It's pretty funny. It's a good choice. Um, okay. So then after the midpoint, the bad guys close in. Um, that's what the beat is called on the beat sheet. It doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be bad guys closing in. But uh, in Taken, you know, things take a turn for the serious generally in the story. And that's when he is um, infiltrating the bad guys' lair, beating them up on their own turf, um, and finding uh, his daughter's friend who she was traveling with. She had been kidnapped as well, and she is dead. So, okay. Yeah. Dude, everyone's getting She's kidnapped. Dead. Yeah. This is not a, a <laughs> PR stunt for European no. travelers. <laughs> it's not. Uh, the, 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 I don't know that the, uh, the, the, this part of Pee Wee is really the whole movie is just silly and freewheeling. Like mm-hmm. the, it's not dark. That's when he does the tequila dance up on the bar. Oh right, I remember like it's, that. Yeah, it's. Um, but anyway, they give him a bike. He drives the bike into a billboard and ends up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I, I would reckon that's a bit of an adir. Yeah, yeah, and I think him getting injured is, you know, it's um. 
his achieving the goal is getting harder and harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now he's immobilized. Right, at this point. right. So, so at the end of Act Two, there are a couple of beats on the beat sheet, um, and these might be harder to remember off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the "All Is Lost in the Dark Night of the Soul," and that's sort of the the end of Act Two, where the main character hits a low point and they seem farthest away from their goal. Um, in Taken, oh gosh, I believe it's when he. I think it's when he finds the girl dead. So I might have covered that too quickly. And then he goes to his old, who he thought was a friend who was helping him. He goes Mm -hmm. to that guy's house, um, shoots the guy's, or yeah, shoots the guy's wife in the leg and gets new information to help him. The guy was not helping him? Apparently not. He was a double crosser. Double crossing dirty dog. Yes. But he does get new information out of that that helps him embark on act three. Okay. Hospital bed, can't move. Yeah. Incapacitated. Yeah. Okay, what's next? So then the break into three is sort of the um, the establishment of a new strategy or a new goal that the character is going to pursue to mm-hmm. the end of the movie um, to hopefully achieve success. And in Taken, he gets that in new information. He has to go to this fancy party where he finds that his daughter is um, being auctioned off. That's really dark. Yeah. I didn't know it was headed there. I'm sorry. Really I didn't mean dark. to bring us, bring us down. No. <laughs> Here you bleak. brought Pee-wee and I brought Taken. That's so bleak. Uh, well, I, in the silly verse, the, there's the equivalent of that is he finds his bike is now in the possession of a horribly bratty child actor who is in one of the worst films ever made. So he has to go onto the set and steal it back from there this child. So not quite, a, but in silly verse, it's pretty dark. Uh, yeah, it's a big challenge, too. Okay. And it's a, you, we see the new strategy. So then to wrap up the beats, there's a finale and then a final image. Finale is sort of the big climax, right? It's the final push to achieve the yeah. goal or not. Um, it's where the the conclusion of the movie is determined, right? Yeah, and so yeah. um, in Taken, he uh, sees that his daughter is being auctioned off. He tries to get her there, but he doesn't succeed. And so then the finale sequence is when he chases her basically to the boat where she's being mm-hmm. taken. <laughs> Why didn't he buy her at the auction? Uh, he got somebody else to bid on her, but then he okay. he was knocked out before, oh, okay, before okay. he could actually procure the daughter. So then oh, okay, okay, he has okay. to go to another location and fight the real bad guy. It's, it's almost as if he was storming the castle yes. and had to revise his strategy <laughs> exactly. at the high tower surprise. Exactly. <laughs> Who'd have thunk Which, it? Is more more save the, for those for yeah. those that don't know more save the cat. Uh, I think that's language. in like later editions. Yes, yeah, that, that that's came, in the that third finally, book. I think. Okay, yep, yeah. yep, yep. <laughs> um, so anyway, so he goes he goes to the boat in this mm-hmm. case and um, uses his skills to rescue his daughter. And then the the final image is basically happy family reunited. Okay. He and his daughter have a good relationship. Uh, the the finale is the back lot chase at Warner Brothers, which is a, just an explosive hell of a finale for the film. <laughs> and then all of his buddies. Uh, are watching the movie adaptation of the adventure of him getting his bike back and he rides off with his girlfriend, Dottie. Now, nice. now for my umbrage. Okay, umbrage, This is actually, um, not, not umbrage, this, is, this came up, my sister was asking me about story structure and that's yeah. kind of what inspired, this whole thing is just for her. Mm, good. It's kind of what inspired the, the miniseries on story and we, she was asking me about Coco, the difference between, there, there's the inciting incident when he finds out Maybe, or that the guitar is the catalyst. He finds out that the guitar is his great grandfather's, mm-hmm. or and or maybe it's when the grandmother catches him wanting to play music and smashes the mm-hmm. guitar. Um, 
And and this is what I wanted to take up with you. And you can take this back to the STC office. Okay. <laughs> no, knowing that I'm right. Um, and here's here's my point. Okay. I think it's the the stasis equals death is one of the later bits of verbiage. Maybe that's book three or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, it's usually presented as debate and then little parentheses and in smaller font stasis equals death and parentheses. Right. I think you ought to flip them because well, so the stasis equals death. I think is part of the debate section. Is that the part you're taking umbrage with? No. See what I'm what I what I'm saying is that uh, the debate. When you say debate, it sounds like an intellectual process primarily yeah. and an internal process secondarily. But when you phrase it as stasis equals death, it's mm. so it must be visual. Right. It's, it just fe- like the smashing of the guitar is really a stasis equals death moment that he, yeah. if he stays with his family, if he doesn't do anything, he will be a shoemaker until he dies right. and will never touch a guitar again. Right. Uh, it, it, the, 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 the Matrix, if Neo doesn't stand doesn't do something he he refuses the call when morpheus calls him on the phone uh, and then ends up with agent smith stasis equals death his mouth will be shut and he will be infested with mechanical bugs that know his his whereabouts Mm -hmm. and it just always feels like the debate of should i shouldn't i is you know not not as robust as the stasis equals death thing yeah and and this may be just a place where being pithy you know uh, breaks down or, or doesn't serve you well, um, <laughs> because you know it's yep, yep, yep. there are there are labels for each of these beats to kind of help you remember yeah, them, yeah, but they're yeah, not yeah. necessarily perfect descriptions of everything that could happen in that section. And some of the beats are sections, and some are just moments or scenes. Um, in the debate section, you know that is one of the things that we talk about, like in the workshops, is mm-hmm. that um, a lot of times what's happening in that section is the the character is. Um, contending with what's at stake for them. So you really feel like, why do they have to do this? Why do they have to embark on this crazy journey? Because we need to feel it. We need to understand why they're going to do this. Otherwise, they just seem stupid, right? If they're going to take a bunch of risks for no reason, that's not someone we want to follow into battle. That's what I mean about the um, back, 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 when that these are, it's just as technical as as focusing the lens, Mm -hmm. that the the hero has to say no, or else who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. if it's just what they do anyway, why would we care? And then we have to see why it's impossible for them to say no. Because if we don't see why it's impossible, then it doesn't make any sense. They're insane yeah, self-destructive maniacs. Yeah, who are going, who are doing things without thinking and without pressure. Yeah. So that's that's what I mean when I say it's it's technically imperative. Yeah. Not imperative, but important. No, it is. It's and and the technical stuff that you're describing. It's it, it's sort of it's how do you. It's the it's the technical skill of manipulating an audience's emotions. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's investing us in the character. It's getting us on board. Yeah. It's making us care about them and about the journey and making us understand why they're doing everything that they're doing. Because I think when you lose that emotional logic in a story, that's when people go, oh, okay, I'm going to switch the channel or, you know, turn on a different movie on Netflix or, you know, whatever. That's uh, Silence of the Lambs. You never, ever, ever lose any emotional thread mm, yeah. from anyone. Yeah. It, was kind of like baffling how for for all the gore and all the you know intense nuanced yeah. plotting the twists and turns that the emotions are are carried throughout really yeah. like kind of twisted my head around yeah and you know it's so great because it's uh, so much of that is built on the relationship between her between Clarice and Hannibal yeah and yeah. you wouldn't think that that relationship would be like the beating heart of the story but it really is like that's the emotional core of the story you know yep, yep. and it's so so well said hey you heard it here first folks Silence of the Lambs is a good film <laughs> <laughs>
Go the, see it the immediately. The reports are in. <laughs> uh, no, that, that even Hannibal Lecter, that he says, all I want to do is see a, a branch. Mm-hmm. And you get it. Like, you totally, mm-hmm. you're with him. It doesn't matter that he eats people. Yeah. You want him to see a branch. That's such a fundamental thing that he expresses in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Um, what What's the point? Anyway, I've taken oh. my umbrage. You're off the hook. <laughs> oh, I am? Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Your umbrage is nothing. Do you get do you get worse umbrage than what I'm giving you? Um, What's the worst umbrage you've had to take in a workshop? You don't have gosh, to name names. No, I don't know if it's necessarily umbrage, but there, you know. Wh- any- this episode is brought to you by the word umbrage, <laughs> by the way. We get paid five bucks every Excellent. time it's said. Hmm. Uh, no, it's anytime, you know, I mean, you know, I know. Anytime you're trying to learn something new and grasp mm-hmm. new concepts, it's it can be a bumpy road. It's not always smooth sailing, right? So a lot of times in the workshops, um, the difficult points that you're working through are helping someone see their story sort of in a new lens or through mm-hmm. a new lens. Um, because, you know, sometimes you get you fall in love with things and you get stuck on them oh, and, yeah. you know, yeah, you yeah. think that they need to work this way. You can't do them another way because that won't let this thing work. And so sometimes it's just exploring, like, what is the story that you're actually trying to tell and what's the best way to tell it? So I, there's... Before any, like any script I write will usually start with a line that pops in a piece of dialogue that's Mm. so good it has to be up on the screen. Mm -hmm. By the time I get to draft one, it must have been deleted. It's always heartbreaking (laughs) knowing like that's it. That's the whole reason this exists and I'm killing it now. It's heartbreaking. It's really, really hard. Yeah, but you can still keep it as like your own personal touchstone. You can like put it on your bulletin board or something. I think the fear is, okay, uh, I think the addiction, let's go for addiction and then withdrawal. Okay. When you get, I don't know if you experience this, but when I get an idea that I like, it's, there's like a dopamine rush mm-hmm. in that moment. Like it's the same as, as a, a drug induced high. Mm-hmm. Any, yeah, totally, you? totally. Okay. And it, that actually, for me, makes me, makes it difficult for me to sit down and write because I'm so excited about yeah, it that I want to yeah. like walk around and think about it some more. <laughs> oh no. You start patting yourself on the back <laughs> immediately. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. You're totally. like, yeah, I thought that. Brilliant. Look at me go. <laughs> Start yes. writing your Oscar. Have you written your Oscar acceptance speech? I mean, I, I haven't it? written anything. No, but in, but, you know, in, in the my shower, head, in course. the car, you know what <laughs> right, you like, say. Uh, I'm going to be so humble. <laughs> you know, uh, you want to know how arrogant I am? Uh-oh. Do I? <laughs> it's like unfathomable. <laughs> no, this is arrogance beyond anything anyone has known on Earth. Uh, the year Eternal Sunshine came out, mm-hmm. I was imagining myself winning and getting up on stage and saying, this is bullshit, Eternal gets it. Wow. And leaving the Oscar on the stage, that's how... Let me let me just ask a question here for context. Yes. Did you have a movie at that time? No, no. <laughs> so it was really I, just I, total fantasy. It was ego. <laughs> Got it. A monster the size of a building rampaging through my psyche. Just nice. Arrogance. But, you know, I there have been lots of studies, again, psych major, there have been lots mm-hmm. of studies that those fantasies and those, um, you know, kind of daydream moments actually have do more to motivate you than uh, criticism and deadlines and things like that. So allowing oh, yeah. yourself oh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. moments is really important. Because I just want that dopamine rush yeah. again of me telling myself I'm right. <laughs> yeah. How fun is that? Oh, also Eternal Sunshine. Mm-hmm. It fits the structure. You can break oh, that sure, one down. Yeah. As bananas and inverted as that film is, yeah. if you take the opening image as the first 20 minutes, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a stretch, sure. but, but you can, it's still, anyway. Interesting. What was the... So in that movie, yes. Joel's ex-girlfriend that he's original, like his ex-girlfriend before he meets Clementine, Yes. her name is Naomi. 
That's true. Crazy. Also, um, <laughs> I it's not a common name, so I just always notice it when I hear it in pop culture and things. Um, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a line. Uh, Naomi don't know me, but Yoshi's very fine. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, and I've heard that song. Yes, you okay. are part of the canon. Okay, good, good. I'm gonna like have a little collection of all these mentions. Yes, <laughs> I'd, I'd say I wish I was a little bit taller. That's the the pièce de résistance <laughs> sure. in the Naomi <laughs> sure. yes. temple. The I like it. Trophy case. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I like it. Um, I uh, we've lost all threads. I know. At this are we still point. talking and about story screenwriting? You get the first poll. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, oh, no. This is exactly designed that way to make it as difficult as I'm, possible. I'm shuffling these up because I don't want one that Brilliant. I chose. Brilliant. You're the first person to really go that deep. What'd you get? What celebrity should be your stand-in? Oh, so this is the thing where you would suggest one for me. I know okay. my answer already. Okay. And I... What celebrity... Okay. Do you know what prosnopagnosia is? Uh, face blindness. Knuckle yes. sandwich. Very <laughs> nice. good. Why do you know that? Psych major. <laughs> okay, okay. You're looking at him. I am really? Mr. Prostopagnosia. Okay. So I should have worn like a hat or something? Would that help you identify oh, me? Or uh, Facial hair helps if you oh, <laughs> grow well, up fortunately. Fu Manchu or something. <laughs> okay. Good, good. Hairstyle? Uh, don't, uh, don't ever change that? It's all silhouettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you change your hairstyle. I, hey, um, if you see me somewhere mm-hmm. and I don't recognize you... Don't take that personally. That's not just you. That's all our listening audience. <laughs> it is not a slight against you. It's my brain. It doesn't. Yeah. It's like being colorblind. If yeah. you showed me turquoise and then showed me turquoise tomorrow and said, what color is it? It's so interesting. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine what that's like, but I do think it's a really It's so easy to imagine what thing. it's like. Just imagine forgetting what that person's <laughs> face say. was. So I actually, I have really bad vision and mm-hmm. I don't wear my glasses ever. Okay. And so I have kind of the same thing from a distance. <laughs> <have> voluntary prostatectomy. <laughs> yes. So I Often I will see people from a distance and they're waving at me and saying my name and I'm like, I don't if there know. was a pair of glasses I could put on that this would never happen again, <laughs> I would, would wear it. I immediately. I'd I get know. them stapled to my face. It's the yeah. Your arrogance. I know. That's really me. what it is. It's like first world entitlement. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, okay, so, um, so I'm so supposed to guess would, what celebrity should be your standard. Yeah, who would you, who would you I feel like there's a na- there's an actor. Mm-hmm. Coming to mind, but I don't know if I can think of the name. You go first, and I'll think about it. Uh, I all I can do is list actresses that I think have, that have brown hair, brown or black hair, like <laughs> yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Cool, I'll take it. Okay, <laughs> okay. So your stand-in is Matt Bomer. Who's Matt Bomer? He was on a show called um, White Collar. He was also in Magic Mike. If that helps. Oh. <laughs> Just so you know, on this in this in this uh, cinematic universe, the mm-hmm. Hollywood Fishbowl Cinematic, we call it Magical Michael. Oh, excellent! His formal name. Yes. So, uh, who was he? Was he one of the dancers? He was one of the dancers. Okay. I don't remember his name in the movie. How I'm sorry, good are those but... two movies? The first one I thought was really good. The mm-hmm. second one was just delicious cotton candy for the brain. I yeah, mean, yeah, but better than what it should have been totally entertaining and the yes. first one is rocks the first one kind of like pissed me off at how good it was <laughs> really like a movie about male strippers right. shouldn't, especially when like our our female strippers movie is showgirls like to go from showgirls to magical michael yes is just you know opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum yeah why hasn't there been a good movie about female strippers 
Um, what was that Demi Moore one? one? Yeah, I'm you so, should write that. Sorry, I'm so goddamn. You should sorry. write a really gritty, Look at you take an gritty drama about female strippers. Do it. Well, I'll get you're you're. We're done recording. It's, <laughs> Go write um, and then write your Oscar speech. Well, hey. <laughs> I thank you for comparing me to one of the dancers in Magical Mike. <laughs> there you go. I will take it. <laughs> Usually I get Steve Buscemi. Really? Yeah. I don't see that at all. More when I was younger. Okay. Like the buggy eyes. More when he was younger too. Like okay. he's grown into a, a different type of person. Sure. And I've grown into a different type of person. But I'll take, what was it? Michael Bone? Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer. Yeah. I was thinking Michael Boner, <laughs> but I knew it wasn't Michael. That's, <laughs> That's a different guy. Yeah, that was Mike- his character in Magical Michael. Aww. <laughs> uh, and who would you elect for you? For me? Yeah. Um, Gosh, that's so hard. Oh, no, it's not. Who would you want to be you? Oh, who would I want to be my like stand-in? Who would you want to be sitting in a chair looking up to you? <laughs> Saying, I'm just here trying oh, to represent yeah, yeah. Your, your form. Uh, somebody incredibly hot. I just, I don't know. It's a supermodel? Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm not going to throw you under the bus today. Usually I go right for the yeah. guest. What is your signature big finish on stage? Oh, and gosh. you're allowed to ring the bell if you like. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a performer, so I have no big finish on stage. All right. Y'all got to check out the YouTube. Watching watching Naomi reach through the <laughs> mic thing every time. I design it to be as difficult as possible it's for the actually, guests. Yeah, it's like at my saw challenge yes. to, to get through there. Uh, what was the dumbest mistake or sneakiest thing you've done on set? Take off the on set. Okay. We'll sneakiest open Sneakiest thing you've done. Do you, do you end dumbest. up as a writer? Do you end up on set a lot? Personally, I don't. I used okay. to be on set more when I worked in commercials. Um, mm-hmm. But there are writers on set. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Are you writing now? Like, do you have your own scripts going? Uh, I do write. Yeah. Um, most of my time is spent consulting and okay. giving feedback. And but I teaching. mean, you do it. You do it for fun for yourself. Yes. Yes, I do. Anything good? Mm, I mean, can we say our own work is good? Yeah. If you're me, you can. My work is this shit. You haven't read my script, so you don't know that you're That's sitting true. across from a goddamn genius. That's true. That's true. The next Charlie Kaufman, right? Yes. Uh, no, I can't. I, everything he writes is so much better. He's speaking with God directly. I know. That's it's true. I, I, if I, I, I stand by it. If I ever am up on that stage and he's not, I'm leaving the trophy there. I'm you're gonna just going to be like, this belongs to Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. He's not even a contender this year, yeah. but it's his. I can't. I, his writing <laughs> is so freaking creative and good and yeah. off the map, but still right. Like yeah. pinpoint human heart accuracy yeah. with nothing literal most of the time. I've seen him in person a few times. I don't know him, obviously, personally, mm-hmm. but, um, but I've seen him like on panels and different things. And he is such... An anxiety-ridden person. I think that must have something to do with it. Like he yes, just think. vibrates with <laughs> yeah, anxiety yeah, to the point where it actually makes me nervous to listen to him speak. And and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. So no, no, no. I'd rather experience it through 15 revisions and another <laughs> sure. director's vision. It's like, are you pulling the bandaid off fast? Or yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. It's a little. <laughs> even after all that filtration, it's still kind of like too intense and raw. Yeah. That. That anyway, uh, yes. the the biggest, the dumbest mistake. What was the dumbest mistake or sneakiest thing you've done? You That's really first? open. That's really broad. The dumb. Oh, good lord! I've done so many stupid <laughs> things in my life. Um, I know. Mostly, I try to forget them. The sneaky. The I'm gonna go. I think I've done sneakiest on a previous episode, so I'm gonna have to go dumbest. Oh, good lord! What is the dumbest? 
I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. This is maybe not, you know, what the oh, author I'm... of this uh, question intended, but um, mm-hmm. this is a, like a peril of living in LA story. So I went to a friend's birthday party one year at a restaurant. I didn't realize it was like a sit down thing. I thought it was just kind of a birthday party at a bar mm-hmm. situation. So I walk in expecting like a crowd of people. And instead it's this little table <laughs> surrounded by people. And I was sort of, you know, intruding because I'd come late. I didn't know anyway, whatever. And there was w- sort of one guy at the end who scooted in a little bit to mm-hmm. let me sit down. And he was like, oh, hi. Um, I can't remember if he in, he said, I, I think he said, hi, I'm Rory. It's so nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, I, you know what? I think we've met before. And I'm assuming he's a friend of my friend. So it's totally possible we've met before, right? And he gave me the the look that I'm sure he's given to many other people. But he was like, no, we haven't met before. And then, you know, a few minutes later, he gets up to go to the bathroom and I'm talking to my friend. And I was like, that guy, I'm, I'm sure we've met before. Who is, is he your roommate or, you know, and, and my friend's like, no, that's Rory Cochran. He's on TV. <laughs> and I was that's, like, oh. That's not too bad. <laughs> no, that's, but it did make me feel really dumb. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, I live in LA. Like, yeah, I should yeah, just yeah. assume everyone I meet is not if someone I know. you know him, but you don't know him. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, here's how you could have saved it. When he gets back from that, yeah. you just go, hey, haven't we met before? <laughs> like, run the same yes. dialogue again yeah. and see if it doesn't Just doesn't let him help. think I have, like, short-term memory yeah, loss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> What day is today? Yeah, good cover. I, I'm going to guess the dumbest mistake I made. I was dating two girls and I, mm. uh, their overlap schedule and they ran into each oh, other and no. totally knew what was, I mean. I and they didn't we, know about each other before that They moment. didn't know about each yeah. other. Be, well. That's painful. Okay. That's not entirely true. They were aware of each other beforehand, but Not only that you were as, dating them? No, 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 no. Just as somebody yeah. who was in that circle over there and somebody who was right. in that circle right. over there. right, right. And uh, it was entirely my fault that those two circles, the Venn diagram overlapped in (laughs) in one moment. Uh Uh-oh. Two very angry, unhappy people. How did that pan out? Did they take it out on each other or on you? I hate to answer that question because... You can ding the bell if you want. (laughs) (laughs) No, because uh, it's going to sound arrogant. They never took it out on each other or me. Really? They were just just really well-adjusted human beings? Or so freaking in love with me that they couldn't. <laughs> got it. I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> what have we got? Uh, well, let's be honest. How are you on social media? You dig it or you hate it? Uh, I, I hate it. I'm going to go with I okay. hate it. Which ones are you on? All the I'm whole three? I'm on the all big... of them, but not really on them. Like I'm, okay. I'm, I signed up for them. And then every once in a while, I remember to use them. Do you maintain your LinkedIn? I hear that that's a thing. I hear that's a thing too, okay. and I've recently been told boat. I need to, <laughs> I need to pay attention to it. I'm on there somewhere. Instagram. I'm on there. It's mostly pictures of my dog. Same, same, same over here. <laughs> not that into it on because it, actually that's not true. I really like doing the Hollywood Fishbowl Instagram feed. Okay. That's very fun. Yeah. For me. I feel like Instagram would be fun if you have an eye and you're a photographer and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. I'm lousy with camera equipment. So <laughs> yeah, no, I don't mean I'm bad at no, it. No, I mean, no, I've I got a surplus. <laughs> yes, it's everywhere exactly. I am. So, so that's so. like your medium for me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I take pictures with my phone and they don't look good. And you know, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's home. Home is where the heart is and yeah. that's where cameras are for me so yeah. let's let's get out of that one neither okay. of us seems too enthusiastic for <laughs> one more yeah. oh we can several more going. yeah okay. yeah and, until how would you like to be remembered yeah anyway do you feel like you're building the legacy you want to build oh that's interesting um 
You know, I feel like I'm doing work that I really enjoy doing. Uh, I probably wouldn't have expected to like teaching as much as I do. Isn't it awesome? It is awesome. It's and, really fun. Yeah, and I really like working with writers. I My favorite part of writing is breaking story. And so mm-hmm. I love helping other people figure out their story beats and what they're trying to say with their story and how to make it work and how to make it make sense. And so I, I, for me, that's fun. It's all puzzle solving and I'm a puzzle nerd. So that's, I was teaching in Japan and like woke up with a smile on my face every freaking mm. day, just like running into the classroom yeah. to do it. It's, it's yeah. fun work. It's yeah. really fun. I think it's, if you get to talk about something that genuinely interests you, then teaching is fun, <laughs> right? Especially, I, I was going to say almost the opposite. If you're talking about something that interests the students, mm. like once they start getting their own momentum and yeah. you've got like, like you are the engine car and then you just have a train full of coal cars all <laughs> shoveling coal into the furnace at the right. same time. Right. Could, the the momentum you can get in a room full of creative people is, yeah. is invigorating, especially creative people who haven't yet been broken. <laughs> By Hollywood, yes. But whatever, <laughs> by life in general. <laughs> Although I will say I do really like working with writers who also understand the industry because it's a different um, it's a different perspective on story. Like, yeah. yes, there are writers that come to me and come to us at Save the Cat through you know with just one story that they're they want to tell really badly. It's like their passion project. Mm-hmm. But then we also have students who are who love story and they they want to be professional writers and so they're actually learning the skills to you know they're they're learning how to put a story together in a way that makes it appealing to audiences and you know and it's not just this one story they want to tell they love all the stories and they have lots of ideas so it's all fun for me i think what i sense a difficult question coming no no it's just (laughs) it's it's an ephemeral one it's like the idea of jumping genre it's the idea of jumping format like uh screenplay novel short story Mm. a jumping intention uh like uh, do you want to write your one magnum opus and call it like is this a one and Mm. done or is it do you want to learn the mechanics and write for the rest of your life where do you land on all that me personally yeah um i mean i am a story nerd so i Sorry, I keep doing that. I I love I love it. I have so much fun putting the equipment <laughs> in intrusive places. Um, I, so I. You know what I should do is set it up like that game operation where if you yeah. touch the sides, there's a buzz. So you, I'm gonna you, you yeah. Can only I'm gonna, sit right. Here. I mean, it kind of is right now. I'm, I'm like reaching through. Oh no, but I mean, I want to electrocute you if you touch <laughs> oh, the mic stand. Great, perfect, perfect plan. Um, no, so so I I love story and I love learning about story. So I don't have the one story that yeah. I that I want to tell. I. I like figuring out the mechanics of all the stories. Um, that's kind of where I come from, I guess. How about you? Do you have one passion project you want to tell and be done? I the fun for me right now is I've got I'm I'm working on three. I've got uh, working on three kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. One is a coming of age drama. One is an outer space sci fi, and one is a, a junior detective story mm, set in cool. suburbia. Nice. So. That would be totally right up my alley. Which one? The All three junior- of them? Of course. I'll well, send yes, you the sure. treatments tonight. <laughs> but no, I mean, Junior Detective Story in Suburbia, really? like that that like gets my antenna up. What is it about that format that's so I grew so up on appealing. Nancy Drew, so I love detectives and mysteries. Um, and uh, and I just think setting it in Suburbia like is an interesting... You could, you could do a lot of things with that, and I don't know mm-hmm. what your intention is, but I think you could make it really kind of underbelly of suburbia and kind of the dark, you know, stuff. And it'd be really cool. 
Well, how dark does Nan? Could people die in the Nancy Drew universe? In the Nancy Drew universe, (laughs) I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. That's or if they did, it was that was what she was investigating. Like it's an off off camera death that happens at the start of the story. Okay, that's that's one of the big things is that this one is very much a world where death happens. Happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it's it's something that the junior detectives are realizing is an imminent threat. Yeah. And I, I love that because, I mean, how old are your protagonists? Uh, I, I, I'd put them at 13-ish. Mm-hmm. That's great because that's just, when you, you're you kind of at that age where you're, yeah. you're realizing like life is a real thing and the world is a real thing. Like you're less protected. You're kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah. feeling yourself And you're yourself also out. wanting to get out there on yeah. your own. Like you start yeah. to get hungry for yeah. a not-home life. <laughs> Have you written a junior detective story? I haven't. I haven't. Um, but genre wise, it sounds like you like to explore sort of, that was the point I was making is is I'm trying to figure out like, can you write in multiple genres and still be a good writer or should you you stick to one genre? That's the, the thought experiment. I I think so too. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think so, but that's kind of the experiment is, can I write three rock solid screenplays that are fun to read mm-hmm. that have no overlap in genre. Yeah. But then I find out that they have a lot of overlap in themes in I was just gonna ask that. Do you find yourself exploring the same themes in each and screenplay? Over yeah. I think we the, all do. To the point that if you strip the plot and just talk about the questions we're asking, yeah. it's the same yeah. question. Yeah. Which like if you watch Aliens and Terminator 2 back to back, it's the same questions. Mm-hmm. It's like, what does it mean to be a mother yeah. protecting a child who's in a world more dangerous than she imagined? Mm-hmm. Same exact movie yeah. thematically. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of movies can, you know, even if you don't necessarily like the genre or the actors in it or whatever, if it's asking questions that are interesting to you, if it's exploring themes that you yeah. that resonate with you, you can still like that movie and enjoy watching it even if you're like well i don't typically like action movies but this one was really good for some reason yeah you know yeah 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 yeah. um next question what have we got all right this this is one of my favorite segments if not my absolute favorite segment this is guest host so what we're gonna do uh my wife has been sitting on uh she's in japan right now can't come out here we're gonna get her up on like a skype uplink thing okay and uh you're gonna talk to her okay great we've never met so you've never met her this is this is actually my wife swinky okay Everybody now hold somebody and tell them that you love them. I love you. Lift your hands together and praise the Lord. All right. Wow. That's just the song we play while we're making sure she's online. That's the the song that if you ever wonder about uh, the the metric system that's how you remember it oh that's what okay. all that was Got it. so hey swinky how you doing hi thanks for having me sorry i can't be there but at least we have this satellite uplink that is all okay my dear i'm gonna pass you to naomi now do you have any questions she's a screenwriter uh save the cat expert resident <laughs> expert uh what's uh, how to here i'm gonna pass it naomi it's all yours great 
Hi. So how's your life? Oh, it's going pretty well, I have to say. I'm having a lot of fun speaking with your husband, and it's been a, it's been a fun day. Uh, can we go bigger than that? How's your life? How's my life? life? Uh, Not your morning I, on a Thursday. It's really enjoyable. I, you know, I hang out with my dog. I write all day, talk to screenwriters all day, work on screenplays. So it's fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's good times. Not yeah. bad, not bad. Where do you want to be in five years? Ooh, Ooh the big five one. five years. I would like to be standing on stage at the Oscar ceremony saying this statue should really... <laughs> Should, should really go to Charlie Kaufman. Ah, get out of here. <laughs> you are interesting. <laughs> Thank you. What's your dream? What do you what do you really want? Gosh, last night I had a dream that I called 911 and it totally didn't work. It went to some random guy who was like, "Yeah, this is that's not the right number, but try you should try that again. Maybe you'll get some help." I don't know what that means. Were you in a pinch or was it In my dream, yeah. I needed to call 911, but I don't remember it feeling very urgent, so okay. maybe I misdialed anyway. Oh, okay. Who knows? Okay. Who knows? It could have been a butt dial. Um but uh, other than that, my dream is to uh, continue doing the kind of work that I like doing, which is, you know, writing and working with screenwriters and talking about story all day. That's really, uh-huh. I feel pretty lucky, actually. <laughs> I know that sounds so stupid to say. No, but, I mean, what could be, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be all like, hashtag blessed, but. <laughs> no, no. What, what job could be better than hanging out with creative people yeah, and yakking all day? Like, really what's more fun it. than that? I that, know. I know. I really enjoy it. And so I, I, I have been feeling very fortunate to get to do that kind of work. So. Awesome. Are you one of those people who have jogging outfits and they have sunglasses and <laughs> caps and they run and look L.A.? Hard-hitting uh, journalism yes, right here. Are yes. you one of those people? The serious questions. I do have sunglasses. Okay. I have two pairs of sunglasses because I'm that L.A. Okay. Um, to be worn at the same time? Or? <laughs> no, as a backup in case, okay. you know, because mostly because I'm always losing them. But uh, yes, I wear a cap, a baseball cap when I walk my dog. But you don't go running. You're not a a perennial jogger. Coincidentally, I'm thinking about taking up running. You you should. It's super duper fun. Just uh, take up stretching first (laughs) and then take up running. Good to know. Do you have friends? Wow. Um, Real friends. Friends friends. who support you and listen to you when you're sad and celebrate with you when you're successful. Yes. I also feel lucky to have some real friends. Actually, my my best friends are both from high school, but they both live here in California now. Okay. So did they come down after you or before? One before and one after... I don't know. We've all been all over the place. But yes, so we're all here now in Southern California. So we get to okay. see each other That's beautiful. somewhat frequently. Yeah, it's really nice. I am so far from the friends I grew up in yeah. high school with. I, I am a little jealous. They're of, East Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All in Pennsylvania. Mm. <laughs> and your Pink, wife can is... Can you ring the... <laughs> you just <laughs> you cut, cut her off. off. Sorry, Swing, you finished that Can you ring the bell? I would, but I'm not there. You know I like ringing bells. All right. I, that, I guess that's the end of this. Segment. Oh, she done with me? Yes. Yeah, ring the bell when she says that you got to ring the bell. You got to ring the bell. Well, bye, love you, bye. Okay. Well, she's <laughs> I feel like she was bored with my answers. Maybe I, maybe I wasn't entertaining enough over satellite uplink. Uh, I think you were good. I think she just has a limited response. Got it. Alphabet. Excellent. <laughs> pull, from, pull something out of there. Okay. We, Let's see. We're winding down, I do believe. This is Let's off see. the rails. The, the intention of the fishbowl is to get things as far off the rails <laughs> as humanly possible. 
<laughs> okay. What's something you judge others on, even though you know it, it kind of makes you a bad person? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to re up that question Ooh. as soon as it's answered. Okay. What's well, first, let's answer the question. Then I got, okay. I got an even worse version of it. Okay, go. <laughs> what's something that I judge? What was the first, what was the actual what's question? What's something you judge others on, even though it, even though you know, it kind of makes you a bad person. Wait. Wait. Yeah. 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 It's totally. <sighs> that does make you a bad person. <laughs> no, it does. I know that I'm answering honestly. Um, and here's the thing is it's, it's, absolute hypocritical bullshit because my genetics it's like off the radar of things i have to worry about really we just, me too we metabolize like hummingbirds in my family oh, so we go the other way <laughs> oh wait to, oh okay see that's the thing is i won't ever You'll never have to yeah have that yeah, yeah but yeah. i can walk down the street and be like ah oh, you get it yeah. with the program loser yeah, i hear you yeah. it's totally totally hypocritical and it's on me Big of you to admit that, though. Well, it's that's the thing. <laughs> We're locked question. in. That's the, I got it, or I've got to ring the bell and look like a coward, yeah. which is not as bad, but also bad. <laughs> anyway, for me, it's um, whether or not people like dogs. If they don't like dogs, I'm like, mm, well, I have a theory, and you can disagree with me if you want. And you can tell me that you don't like dogs. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love dogs. Okay. This is an ongoing battle. My wife uh, is cats, same way. Like mm-hmm. uh, she just loves cats, and she can't understand people mm-hmm. who. I don't love cats. I don't get it. I've never seen it. But I do like dogs. Here's my theory is that when this is not even a theory, this is just how I interpret the world and it could be wildly inaccurate. But anytime somebody says something about their dog, I just assume that they're talking about themselves subconsciously. (laughs) Like if you were to say like, oh, my dog has trust issues. That's yeah. like, you have trust. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to be really careful what I say about my dog from now on. <laughs> so what would you say about your dog? Like how? how? I mean, generally, I just think What's he's amazing. What's your dog's name? Can we, can we take this out of the realm of sure. theory? Sure. His name's Steve. Steve? Yeah. And I... I think he's hilarious. So perhaps that's... Keep I need going. To, what else do you think? Perhaps I need to like examine myself a little bit here. What else do you think about Steve? Um, I think he's uh, really funny when he does things that look human. You know, <laughs> okay, that's a little dog specific. There's no way to, yeah, to I also imprint think that on you. He is, he thinks he's very brave, but he's really afraid of a lot of things. See, now that's exactly like I would say that is 100% <laughs> yeah. yes, you totally. projecting on your dog. I, th- I think dogs are a blank slate, like they don't have emotions <laughs> sure. except for hunger and not hunger anymore, right? <laughs> right. Which we translate as unhappy and happy, right? But no, when, when people yeah. are like, <laughs> right. my dog is brave on the surface. Okay, but can I just tell you that yes. I have objectively seen him be f- afraid of things that he doesn't need to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, mm-hmm. the smoke alarm warning, si- warning signal went off. It wasn't even the alarm was going off. Just the beep to tell you that the battery mm-hmm. was low went off when I wasn't home. He couldn't handle it, and he... Hawaiian punched his way through the back door. There was a dog-shaped hole. Are you kidding? He took off. How big is he? Come like, on. He's 60 pounds. Okay, that's pretty you, big. You shouldn't, you don't need to be afraid of, like, it's it's a beep. It's a one beep. Come on. Wait, it beeped once or it beeped repeatedly it beeps, it beeps every minute? It beeps once, like, every five, five minutes. Okay. Yeah. That would drive. I was only gone for like 30 minutes. Have you not heard of water torture where you just drip like a drop on someone's forehead every every 30 seconds? But really, I mean, he got, he made it through the. The blinds that were that go all the way to the floor, the glass back door, and the screen door. Did you snap any photos of this fiasco? I did, and then I don't. I didn't keep them. But it I, seriously is like the worst. I, I didn't know what I 
when I got home, I thought somebody broke in. And then mm-hmm. I realized he wasn't there. And somebody and broke like, out. Was- and I was like, why would somebody break in and just steal my dog? That's so, <laughs> that's so weird. Here's a, a completely unrelated story that's only a little related. Is I was living in this house down in Asheville, North Carolina uh, with two other roommates. And we had a VCR. Mm-hmm. And one night I left the door unlocked and the two roommates were out on tour. They had a band or something. Anyway, someone didn't even break in. They just walked, walked in the in. front door, took the VCR, replaced it with like a 10-pound bag of cat food, and then walked out the back door. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. So... That's, Do you think you came out ahead in that deal? or <laughs> No, because I was watching a lot of movies on oh. that VCR, and I can't, I, I cannot watch a movie on yeah. a bag of cat food. I feel like today, though, if someone traded you a VCR oh, for Oh, yeah, t- no, that's like a you, mad profit. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, you project, on, you project your own emotions. Probably. I think okay. you put up a brave front, but I actually feel... <laughs> do you feel fear? Oh, what, yeah, what is it? Where does it come, come what, on? Come on, let's talk personal. Where yeah. does yours come um, I mean, it's probably exacerbated by living in LA and being like, you know, surrounded by people who are chasing their dreams, right? Which is not a very secure path to choose in your life. So I'm sure there's a lot of it that comes from that. Like just, you know, I didn't go into the traditional fields that my parents would have wanted me to. And Mm -hmm. so everything's a little bit of a gamble here, you know? But do you feel like you're, you're catching up to your dreams? I feel like I'm doing the things that I want to be doing. And I, and the reason that I feel lucky in what I do is Like I can pay my bills doing the things that I enjoy doing. So for me, that's a win, you know, but you know, there's always that fear of like, what if it all ends tomorrow? What if I never have another student? What if I, you know what I mean? But are you going, are you going for vertical movement or are you kind of keeping, are you hoping to hold on to this station? (laughs) This is, yeah, I I feel like as long as I, the longer I can keep doing the things I like doing Mm -hmm. and, and live, I, I'm, I'm good. It's all gravy. Stasis. (laughs) Equals death. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Well, I am no, learning no. more and more every day. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the journeys are internal more than external. Yeah. What was your What was your level up question? Oh, to the that? level up question. Yeah, you got to get the focus off of you. Oh, <laughs> uh, just like my dog. What's something you judge others on, even though you do it yourself? Oh. Wow. There are probably a lot of things. Um watching reality tv <laughs> oh yeah no yeah yeah, yeah yeah you're not off the hook on that one paying attention to celebrity gossip mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um bigger than that let's see um like not giving enough to charity maybe or not caring about the environment like if i see somebody litter or something i don't litter but i don't do <laughs> if you everything see somebody litter you're like yeah <laughs> no but But I know that I don't do everything that I could be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, so I... Oh, straight up, you're not. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely... None of us. Anyone who's living in LA is not doing everything they could be doing. I am far too lazy to be doing everything I could be doing, so Mm -hmm. yeah. So I probably judge people on being lazy, and I myself am doing that all the time. Fair enough. Yeah, how about you? You horrible... Yes, horrible human being. (laughs) What you are, disgust me. <laughs> What's your thing? You thought of that question because you What's, must have an answer. Uh, what is the thing that I always judge other people for doing? There's there's uh, two things. And uh, first is nuking conversations. Like if somebody's in a conversation and they say something just that you can't come back from, mm-hmm. I'm tearing my hair out saying, why would you say that? But then when I am in conversations, right. this table, I can 
I love it. This is where I'm totally at home. But if I'm at a dinner party, my brain will immediately think like, what's the just what's the worst thing? What's the worst thing? What's the worst thing? Let's let's go for an abortion joke or wow. something like to this person I, I just met 30 seconds ago and they are the head of a development company right. and I should really be trying to sure. get Sure. Why do you think you do that? Because it's funny to my brain. Yeah. Like my brain just thinks it's hilarious. So do you think you do it before you realize you're doing it or you, you know what you're, you know, you're crossing the line and you do it anyway. Mid sentence, Hmm. mid sentence. I'm just like, fuck, here we are again. Great. Burning this one down. (laughs) Wow. And it never works in my favor. Like you think like, oh, (laughs) maybe if I say something really provocative, they'll all. Well, you know what they say is if you can find somebody with like a common sort of point of view on the world, then you're, you'll just be bonded forever. So maybe that's what you're looking Don't for. Don't <laughs> let me off the hook. This is not weeding out the small minded. Got it. This is just nuking clean conversations. Got it. Um, so what's the second thing? What was the other thing that I, oh, uh, I, I would, I would have to say procrastination. But do you, you judge other people on that? Relentlessly. Really? Yeah. Oh. Relentlessly. It's unforgivable in my mm. mind. And Oh, okay. That's one camera down. <laughs> and there, you know, like I will stew on it as I'm playing Super Mario Brothers yeah. three for the millionth time in my life. Yeah. Oh, these other people don't know how <laughs> to ju- focus. I just realized the thing that I judge other people on that I also do myself. What is it? Judging people. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. How can you not know that you do that yourself? It's like the most fun thing a brain can do. I just didn't think about it. But yes, that's totally the thing. I judge other people for judging other people, but Mm -hmm. I'm doing that all the time. Guilty as charged. Do you want to wind down? Sure. All right. I cannot thank you enough. Oh, wait. What did we forget? The wind down music. Oh. My sister's going to be mad. She likes the drops. Like we have all these music cues Mm -hmm. teed up and we didn't use any of them today. Oh, man. You ready for the yeah. wind down music? Here it comes. I'd just like to say a sincere thank you to everyone who tuned in. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl, and I've been Jesse Kester. I will continue to be Jesse Kester as long <laughs> as I'm alive. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on Instagram at HW Fishbowl or on Twitter at HW Fishbowl. If you want more of the content, you can go to sunshinepicturesllc.com slash you guessed it. H.W. Fishbowl, but it's not about us. It's about the guest. Naomi don't know me, but Yoshi's very fine. Where can people learn more about you? Um, Let's see. The easiest place to find me is probably on Facebook. I have a screenwriting group called Screenplay Lab. I'm in there every day. This is very loud at the background. (laughs) We will turn it down if you're feeling distracted. Should people be following you on Twitter, Instagram? People can totally follow me on Twitter, but I'm not there very often. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you could do a plug for the organization oh, Save yes. the Cat. Do they have a website? Yes, maybe? absolutely. They, uh, If people are interested in learning about Save the Cat... They and I can, guarantee you they are. <laughs> they can go to savethecat.com. Um, there's a, a weekly blog that sometimes I write. Mm-hmm. There's a an occasional podcast that I do. And um, we have workshops and online workshops and in-person workshops. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. Awesome. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>